How do I get a hold of you? You just contact the mayor's office. He has a special signal that shines in the sky. It's in the shape of a giant. Welcome to Drawing Funny, where we talk tunes with some sketchy characters in the comics industry and fandom. I'm your host, Lynn Workman. Well, this podcast has made it to one dozen episodes. Twelve and a half if you count the short introductory pilot episode. I uh, hope you've enjoyed them, and if this is your first time listening, I do hope you'll stick around and check out the uh, previous episodes I've done. On the MSCA Zoom call for our Drawing Funny Procrastination episode, number 10 for those of you keeping score at home, we discussed one of my all-time favorite art books, and actually my first art book, How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way. A fine bunch of heroes we are. For this episode, I wanted to share a couple of books that I've uh, mentioned here before and uh, recently finished. Uh, one is Wink. It's a novel with spot illustrations. And the other, The Impending Blindness of Billy Scott, is a graphic novel. I've also got one other one, Hit Girl in Hollywood, which I'll get into in a little bit. First up is Wink, an illustrated novel by Rob Harrell. Published by Dial Books, Penguin, Random House, LLC, New York. It's 316 pages with spot black and white illustrations and comic pages. Rob Harrell wrote and drew the syndicated daily comic strip Big Top and currently creates the long-running strip Adam at Home. Rob wrote and illustrated the graphic novel Monster on the Hill, published by Top Shelf, wrote the Life of Zarf trilogy of hybrid novels, which is published by Dial Books for young readers, and Wink, the funny but heartfelt story of Ross Malloy, a seventh grader dealing with a horrible diagnosis and cancer treatments, all while just trying to blend in and survive middle school. As an illustrator, Rob has worked with clients including Mad, Simon & Schuster, American Greetings, Time Incorporated, and Volkswagen, and has solo shows in San Francisco, Austin, and Indianapolis. He lives in Zionsville, Indiana with his wife and their two dogs. I heard about Rob and his book Wink during the National Cartoonist Society's online NCS Fest event in the From Panels to Publishing section, presented by Go Comics and hosted by Jason Chatfield. It also featured cartoonists Mark Tatuli and Terry Liebenson, along with Maria Scriven. And they discussed their evolution from comic strips and panels to book publishing. NCS and MSCA member Greg Cravens got to ask the first question for the panel. There are lots of other great videos to check out uh, from the NCS Fest, so if you're looking for something to watch online about creating comics, I highly recommend checking out the NCS Fest on their website. I'll post a link in the, uh, the show notes. I'll also have uh, links for the books that I'm reviewing today and links to their creators. I got my hard copy of Wink off of Amazon and for just under 12 bucks, and it's also available in paperback and on Kindle and as an audiobook. Its target audience is for younger readers, probably those closer to the main character Ross's age. Our old pal Easy Reader from Electric Company might have even said that this book is easy to read. And I'd have to agree with him. 
It was easy to read, both in storytelling and the larger font size, which I was very thankful for. I found it very entertaining and loved the numerous spot illustrations and occasional Bat Pig comic pages. Holy fruit salad! Now, I've never had cancer, but have known many who have, and growing up I spent my fair share in doctor's offices, emergency rooms, and even hospital beds. My mom used to joke that my initials should have been ER. But seriously, both as a child and adult, there were times when I might not have survived those visits. So while reading this, I definitely empathize with Ross. I've met many kids and teens at the Ronald McDonald House who were patients here at St. Jude. And growing up is hard enough without something to make you look different or have others think that you're contagious or give you any more self-esteem issues than you already have or cause physical pain or potentially kill you. Okay, yes, this book is about a kid dealing with cancer in junior high and the weird side effects and treatments he has to endure. That could be a bit hard to read about, you know, both the disease and the awkwardness of being in school at that age. But this book also has amazing heart and a lot of humor. It's about losing close friends, making new friends, and finding out about being more than just a sick kid. Heck, this book has even inspired me to try and learn guitar, and I actually bought an acoustic one after reading Ross's story. It has also inspired me to track down more of Rob's work. This is a fictional story, but it's based on some of the real-life events Rob Harrell went through as an adult. My second recommended reading is The Impending Blindness of Billy Scott. Graphic novel by Zoe Thorogood. Published by Avery Hill Publishing. It's a soft cover, uh, about 164 pages. It's described as full color, but it's actually more black and white with spot colors. Zoe Thorogood is a comics creator based in Middlesbrough in the UK. As well as her comics practice, Zoe also enjoys doing concept art and character design on a freelance basis. Most recently, she's worked for Image Comics as a cover artist. Billy Scott is an artist. Her debut gallery exhibition displays in a few months. Within the fortnight, she'll be completely blind. It's primarily a story about self-worth. Billy places all of her worth as a person onto her art. So when she discovers she's going blind, it completely shatters her perception of self. But it's not a sad story. Her impending blindness shocks her into action, and she attempts to create her one and only series of a lifetime. Penniless and alone, Billy must step outside her box and discover her artistic legacy in under two weeks. I'll be honest with you, I don't remember where I first heard about this book. But I bought it and another book, Your Ad Ignored Here, cartoons from 15 years of marketing, business, and doodling in meetings, by Tom Fishburne on Amazon at the same time. Tom was one of the folks I saw during the NCS Zoom panels, so I'm guessing, like it and Wink, I might have heard about it there. I'm always up for a new graphic novel to read, and thought the art looked interesting, uh, kind of quasi-anime, but with a bit of underground comic feel to it, and it was realistic and cartoony or scribbly, but finished at the same time. 
we said it was, it was a really neat mixture of all those types of art. The story synopsis hit a bit close to home for me. I'm not blind, but have had issues with my sight, both as a kid and now as an old fart. Growing up, I had a bad stigmatism, which caused severe migraines and double vision, and I went undiagnosed for several years. In the sixth grade, they finally figured it out, and I had to wear glasses and do physical therapy for several months. It was really bizarre to try and skateboard for the first time while wearing glasses, and it took a while to get used to. Getting older and dealing with uh, diabetes, my vision has ups and downs, but I wear readers to write or draw these days. I'm sure bifocals are in my future. The past couple years, I've been dealing with arthritis in my hands. That's a situation that scared me more than my blurry vision. I've mentioned this before on a previous uh, Drawing Funny episode, so you may have heard it. When my family and I lived in northern Utah back in the early to mid-70s, uh, I had a neighbor next door, Stephanie, who was an amazing artist. Uh, she and her roommate, Lane, and their German shepherd, Tango, lived in a bungalow-style house next to ours. You couldn't ask for nicer or cooler neighbors. Uh, she drew, Lane was a drummer, and Tango loved to catch snowballs in the wintertime. Stephanie would let me watch her draw from time to time, and even gave me a drawing, which I still have to this day. She worked in ink and did black-and-white renaissance and fantasy-looking characters. Uh, some were in great armored costumes or horseback or standing in long evening gowns, and some were even nudes. She liked working peacock feathers into her designs, and I remember she did a huge pointillism piece of a nude woman riding on the back of a swan. It was ink on rice paper, and my dad ended up owning that one. What immediately reminded me of Stephanie when I heard about the Billy Scott book was that Stephanie was diagnosed with crippling arthritis while I knew her. She was told that at some point, and probably soon, she wouldn't be able to draw anymore. It caused her to draw constantly, and some nights I could see the light over her dining room table at all hours of the night and knew she was sitting there drawing. I sometimes wonder, did her constant drawing aggravate it more and cause it to the loss of her drawing ability sooner? Or did her drawing help keep her hands working? I don't know and probably never will know because we moved back here to uh, the Memphis area shortly after and I never found out what happened to her. As an artist, the thought or realization that you could lose the use of your hands or eyes can be incredibly frightening, depressing, and can seem so final. Which brings me back to the impending blindness of Billy Scott. According to an interview Zoe did with FanBasePress.com, I quote, I actually got the idea for it while having an eye test. I have really poor vision and had been struggling with some small vision blackouts, which is when my optician let it slip that I was at a fairly high risk of blindness. Me? An artist going blind? Rather than panicking, I just thought, man, that's such a good story idea. And it was. So he says she didn't think about it too much at the time because she was working on another story. But one evening while doodling, she did a scribble drawing, which wasn't in her usual style, and she thought, that's her, that's Billy Scott. 
Billy Scott's tale is one of those stories where you can have sympathy for a character, root for them to succeed, be mad at them when they make really bad mistakes, all while enjoying the art and graphic novel storytelling style. Billy makes plenty of mistakes during her two-week art journey, but she also makes a lot of friends, creates art, and has positive effects on many of the folks she encounters along the way. Now since it's written by a British creator and takes place in England, there's some dialogue that needs to be read with a British accent, and a few words you have to look at through use in the sentence to figure out their exact meanings. Mostly just some slang words here and there, not a biggie. My only real complaint is that the type is kinda on the smaller size, so with my bad eyesight I definitely had to wear my glasses to read it. I will say though, it was totally worth it. I won't give away any spoilers, but like Wink, I did have some good laughs and some very teary-eyed moments too. Okay, normally I don't like to discuss anything I didn't really enjoy. There's enough negativity out there on the interwebs without me adding to it. But, since I read another trade paperback along with these, I figured I'd talk about the good, and in my opinion, this time, the bad. It's the comic series Hit Girl in Hollywood. It was published by Image Comics and written by Kevin Smith, with art by Pernille Orem, colors by Sonny Go, lettering by Clem Robbins, and edited by Rachel Fulton, and designed by Melina McCulloch. A single-issue cover art by Francesco Francovilla, who I'm a big fan of. Now, I will preface this by saying that I've been a big fan of Kevin Smith's, too, for years. Snoochie-boochie-noochies! Unfortunately, his comic work has been hit or miss for me, and the last of his movies that I liked was Jersey Girl, which, honestly, he seems to dislike. Now, the art looks great, and the only real issues I had with it were there were a couple of times I got a couple characters confused, especially Hit Girl and another character she faces off against. Not a biggie because they're supposed to look similar, but it got a little bit confusing. Who are you? I'm Hit Girl. My biggest problem with this story is the story. Let's see what you can do. Uh, Kevin kind of rehashes the Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back storyline, uh, which he also does in his latest Jay and Silent Bob reboot movie. Jay and Silent Bob are in the his hills! Basically, Mindy, aka Hit Girl, finds out that Hollywood is making a Hit Girl movie and she's off to Hollywood to stop it. Sound familiar? Yeah. He may have been homaging his own movies. For me, it was a case of been there, read that, or seen that in this case. Kevin is known for his pop culture references like Jaws or Star Wars or Smokey and the Bandit, and he makes them in this story, but he has the characters explain some of those references. There's an old saying by the Joker. If you have to explain the joke, there is no joke! That's what this felt like to me as I read it. And for someone who is known for being wordy and likes dialogue, the first issue was pretty much devoid of word and thought balloons. Not really a complaint, because I could follow along with it, just seemed kind of weird for a Kevin Smith story. Even Silent Bob is known to be a lot more wordier than this. What? What did you say? 
I know this story takes place in the Kick-Ass universe, and it's known for being pretty violent and with crude language and such, but I don't know, the humor just seemed very junior high-ish and kind of disappointing. You know what? That hurts. Just wasn't clever at all, and I don't remember laughing at any of it, and definitely didn't laugh out loud to any of it. <laughs> Honestly, I think this one I would recommend for readers just to pass on. Definitely not a hit, girl. So those are my two recommended reads for this episode, an NCS video watching recommendation, and a book pass thrown in too. I'll be back with more reviews to share in future shows, and hope to have others come on to discuss their favorite reads, movies, games, events, and more. Stay tuned! Before I go, I wanted to let you know about some MSCA member and local art news. Our sixth issue of the MSCA's The Good, The Bad, and The Sketchy Zine will celebrate the 901 with a Memphis theme issue. Blues Barbecue Bill Street is currently in the works and will be released in the spring. These zines have black and white interior art by our members, a full color cover, and are available for purchase at comic shops around Memphis. Check out this episode's show notes for links to Comics and Collectibles, 901 Comics, and The Cellar. Speaking of the seller, you can purchase hand-drawn sketch covers by MSCA members Charles Ettinger, Lonnie Easterling, and myself. I also have several original sketch cards available for sale there, including many of my official artist returns, like Star Wars from Tops. You can also pick up some free MSCA, Memphis Ghostbusters, and drawing funny swag at the shops around town. Buttons, pins, stickers are available while they last. I love the smell of commerce in the morning! Quick plug for Charles Edinger. If you heard him on our last MSCA uh, Zoom call meeting, you know he's got his own side business going. If you're in need of display stands for your hero clicks, action figures, Hot Wheels, Eagle Moss, Pez, or other collectibles, then check out Charles's Laserhead Studio store on Etsy at www.etsy.com forward slash shop slash Laserhead Studios and see his various acrylic stands. He also has cool magnets, coasters, ornaments, and more available, and can do custom laser jobs, too. You know, I have one simple request, and that is to have sharks with frickin' laser beams attached to their heads. I hate to go out on a sad note here, but we have some sad news. Last month, we lost local artist George Hunt and Anthony Biggers, and local disc jockey Chris the Jar Jarman. All three passed away in December. George Hunt was a local artist, but was world famous for his large, colorful, and textured blues paintings. I got to meet him and his wife a few times around town, and always enjoyed seeing his work in person, and I even printed tees with his art on them for tour shops down on Bill Street. When I was designing monuments, the company I worked for actually had a art show of his work in our lobby. This past year, there was an exhibit of his work at the Pink Palace Museum. I met Anthony Biggers when he and I were working for the same t-shirt company back in the 1980s here in Memphis. He and Greg Cravens worked at the screen print location, uh, along with Charles Ettinger at the time too, I believe. And I worked at the retail shops and would occasionally print at that uh, screen printing location over off of Night Arnold. Anthony is known mostly for his Blues on the Bluff music posters for the radio station WEVL, or Weevil as people around here know it. 
He graduated the U of M with a master's degree in art and was a graphic arts professor at the Southwest Tennessee Community College. He loved guitars, rode his bike all over Memphis, and was legally blind. I remember working at the uh, Art Emporium in the Mall of Memphis, and Anthony would pop by every now and then, and he'd go over and look at the posters and, and prints that we had for sale there, and he'd have to get so close to them that he would literally have to scan each image in several passes. He was also known to do some incredible uh, marker illustrations, and and occasionally he would get just a little too close to the paper, and when he would look up, he would have marker on the end of his nose. The last time I saw Anthony was at the 2018 Memphis Comic Expo. Uh, he had stopped by Donnie Khan, and uh, he and Charles and I talked for a bit at my table, and then I uh, ran into him again down at uh, Greg Cravens' uh, booth. Like I said, that was that was the last time I saw him. Um, it's kind of kind of weird. I'd actually just thought about him the other day, and so last weekend, Nikki and I were watching a documentary on HBO Max about blind photographers, and I'd mentioned to her about Anthony and how you know, he's an incredible artist, even though he was legally blind. The next day, I was at work and was talking to one of my buddies uh, that I worked with there uh, about it and the uh, the show, and went to do a Google search to show him some of Anthony's uh, blues posters, and that's when I found his obituary. With 2020, I've kind of fallen out of touch with a lot of people, and I just don't run into anybody out in public anymore. I hadn't heard about his death, and like I said, it was, it was quite a shock to be looking for artwork and run across an obituary. Chris Jarman's death was a bit shocking, too. I had known the jar for, gosh over 20, 25 years now, I guess. Uh, he started off as an intern with the uh, the Wake Up Crew on Rock 103 back in the 90s, I would, I would imagine. And I got to know him uh, by going down to the radio station and dropping off tees when I had the uh, Wild Hair Animated Jack shop. And sometimes he'd stop by and, and uh, say hey and pick up a shirt. Uh, I always made sure that when I went by the radio station to... Uh, get him a shirt, or if he would come by the t-shirt shop, I always hooked him up with a, a Rock 103 or Wake Up Crew shirt. Zeke Logan always called him Free Shirt, and that's because if, if anybody gave him something for free, he would wear it. Uh, I remember seeing him wear a John Deere tractor hat, and that was the first time I'd ever heard Zeke comment and call him Free Shirt. So, back when we had the Rock 103 funny pages, and uh, I was doing the Wake Up Crew Web comics. I would work him into the strip every now and then. Always enjoyed running into him when I worked at the Comedy Zone or seeing him down at the Orpheum or some of the uh, the sporting events around town like the Redbirds. And uh, gonna miss old Jar. He was a huge Van Halen fan, and it's kind of ironic and I guess kind of fitting that he and Eddie Van Halen passed away the same year. Rock on, Jar. The next MSCA Zoom call will be on Groundhog's Day, Tuesday, February 2nd at 7 p.m. For info on how to join in or be added to the MSCA mailing list, just contact our group's president, Kevin L. Williams, at midsouthcartoonists at gmail.com. The Mid-South Cartoonists Association is open to professional and amateur cartoonists or cartooning enthusiasts.
Drawing Funny is an MSA podcast. You can find out more about the Mid-South Cartoonists Association at midsouthcartoonists.org and on the MSCA Facebook page. Be sure to like that page and follow our group on Twitter at MSCA underscore Memphis and on Instagram at midsouthcartoonists. You can keep up with this show at any of those or on the show's site, drawingfunny.com, as well as on Twitter at drawingfunny1, that's drawingfunny with the number one, or Instagram at drawingfunnypod. Links and other info can be found in the show notes of each episode at drawingfunny.com. Shameless plug for me. I have my Lynn Workman, that's L-I-N Workman.com art site, and my geek travel blog and webcomic, HaveGeekWillTravel.com. My social media info and bio are on all those sites, along with several examples of my artwork. Thanks for listening. I hope to talk tunes with you all again real soon. Until then, stay tuned and keep drawing funny. Got a